You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. What's up? What's up, Quadback Culture? It's your girl, Jules Jesse. So glad to be in the building with you guys this Thursday evening to bring to you another episode of Clapback Culture. Um, in the background, shout out to Cuddy. He's doing a lot of big things. Thank you for pulling up and producing this show. Glad to have you here. Um, to everybody who's back, listen, guys, it's going to be a good show. I have a lot of topics I want to talk to you guys about, um, especially because... This world, you guys, is literally changing day by day by day by day. And it's just so much in the news cycle that I just feel like we haven't really got a full chance to kind of talk about everything. And I want to chop it up with you guys. So we might as well jump right back into it. Please make sure you guys share the stream. Let's get some more viewers in and pull up in the comments. I want to chop it up with you guys in these comments so I can know what you guys want to talk about. Um, I want to hear your thoughts and opinions. So share the stream. Okay. Cuddy will share that link. Oh, well, you guys can share the link because you're already watching. Um, but we're going to share the link and make sure that people can jump on and tune in. Well, listen, um, law enforcement these days, you guys, is just a controversy in and of itself. But I did hear about a story about a 28-year-old former law enforcement officer who had catfished a 15-year-old teenage girl and traveled across the country from Virginia all the way to Southern California. Um, catfished her. If you guys haven't heard of the term catfish, it's, you know, they have a whole MTV show about it. So to, to catfish someone is to basically lie about your identity. Uh, typically, one will send fake photos. Uh, they'll lie about their age. They'll pretty much lie about everything in order to groom the individual on the other end of the line. So this grown ass man uh, catfished this teen girl and traveled across the country to her home. And before kidnapping her, he killed her family and then set the house on fire. We have a clip. The officer's name is Austin Edwards. Let's watch this clip. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about it. We're learning more tonight about the sheriff's deputy from Virginia who drove all the way across the country to meet a 15-year-old Riverside girl he met online. Now, the meeting did not go well. Police say he kidnapped the girl after killing her mother and grandparents. Mm -hmm. KCAL 9's Nicole Comstock joins us live now from Riverside with the latest on this investigation. Nicole? Well, this has been very traumatic, both for this family and for the entire neighborhood out here. One neighbor told me tonight she would have done anything she could have if she would have been home on Friday to get inside this home and help this family. Here's the latest. Tonight, new details emerge about a bizarre triple murder in Riverside. Police say Austin Edwards, a 28-year-old deputy sheriff from Virginia, drove over 2,000 miles to this home on Price Court to kill the mother and grandparents of a 15-year-old girl he met online, a girl he tried to run away with on Friday after lighting their house on fire. But deputies shot and killed him in the Mojave Desert. It's shocking to hear that someone would travel that far. I think it's beyond insane. Um, 
and have a whole plan intact, follow through with it. This woman said she was still too distraught about what happened to her beloved neighbors to show her face on camera, but she hopes that something meaningful can be learned from this tragedy. I think it's something that maybe opens eyes to other agencies to let them know, yeah, we still need to have to be beyond thorough when we're hiring you know anybody to to get on the police force. We've learned that Austin Edwards resigned as a state trooper on October 28th and that his behavior there never triggered any investigations. He was then hired as a deputy sheriff in Washington County, Virginia, less than two weeks ago on November 16th. Just to think that there's a adults out there preying on small children. This neighbor knew the Winnicks for 29 years. Sherry, Mark, and their daughter, Brooke, who is that 15-year-old girl's mother. She says they were a loving family with deep roots in this community. They, they love their girls, they love their granddaughters, and everything that they built was for their children and their granddaughters. And another neighbor told us off camera she was the one who called 911 after she saw the suspect wearing a trench coat and a mask arguing with that girl outside his car. She was trying to melt the words to me, but nothing came out, she said. I looked down and saw that she was barefoot. She was crying a little bit, but she didn't try to make a run for it. All right, you guys. So a couple of things I want to highlight here. One, the teen girl was 15 years old. We have to be responsible parents, you guys. Now, I know you feel like you want to give your kids this sense of privacy. Um, but we have to remember that they're children and that they can't always um, sense and be um, be aware of, um, you know, of, of what's something that's safe and unsafe. So she had been carrying on this relationship with this 28 year old guy. They don't necessarily, the, the, the police officials have not released um, more in the investigation on how he catfished her in terms of what he said. Um, but again, had the the mother in this case, who is actually who Brooke Wynick, she's only she was only 38 years young. That's extremely young. Um, this right here, you guys kind of goes to show you why it's so important to tap in with your kids, you know, check their phone, have conversations about, you know, who they're in relationships with, who they're having conversations with, especially, you know, for this mom, particularly because she wasn't, you know, a very young mom. Um, you know, it's you're, it, it's not that big of an age gap. So you kind of have an understanding of, you know, what your kids are into and how to, um, you know, reinforce those safeguards to protect them. But nonetheless, we don't want to victim shame here. We want to really just say, continue to protect yourself, protect your kids. Um, and one way to do that is to have these kind of uncomfortable conversations. Um, and yeah, like giving up their cell phone, like, uh, let me see who you're speaking to. Who are your friends? You know, who are you dating? Let's have conversations about that. Because it's important, you know, you don't want someone driving all the way across the country and then killing you and then setting your house on fire. Uh, the cause of death to the mom and the grandparents um, is, is still under investigation. Um, but authorities said that they believe the fire was an was intentionally set and that the family are considered homicide victims. Um, so we are happy to report that the young girl did survive this. Um, this unfortunate incident, but she lost her mom and both her grandparents. So we're going to lift her up in prayer. 
um, and just keep her in our hearts because this is devastating. I mean, these are like the most important people in her life, I can imagine. Um, just tragic. Had you guys heard about this? Let me know in the comments if you guys heard about this. All right, you guys. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I can't afford all these labels. Uh, so you may or may not know who Balenciaga is. Remember, I brought you a couple of stories about Balenciaga in the past where they were advertising trash bags um, and the trash bags were going up to like two thousand dollars for this like trash duffel, this duffel bag that looked like a, a legit garbage bag. So. This luxury brand, you guys, it's a top fashion label and it's come under fire after running its holiday ad that has become very problematic as it's featuring children modeling to be appearing with teddy bears um, with what appears to be bandage gear. Um, it's giving very much BDSM. And in, in some of the ads, there's also, um, you know, uh, demonic idols, demonic pictures, um, in one, there's like, it's just, it's highly sexualizing um, children and sexual fetishization. And in fact, before I get to this clip, there is um, court paperwork that ruled on federal laws regarding child pornography. So of course, um, there's huge outrage. We have the report from Good Morning America. I'm gonna play that for you guys and we'll come back and dive a little bit deeper. Let's take a look. Now with our GMA cover story and the popular luxury brand Balenciaga is under fire for its recent ad campaign with children. Janae Norman has those details for us. Good morning, Janae. Good morning and happy birthday, Robin. Thank you. So Balenciaga is known for its edgy designs, the brand often pushing the envelope, but critics are accusing the brand now of crossing the line in this latest campaign. This morning, fashion house Balenciaga, a favorite of stars like Kim Kardashian and celebrated in songs by Lizzo and Cardi B, facing backlash, accused of sexualizing children in a controversial new ad campaign. The luxury brand now apologizing for these photos showing little girls in Balenciaga sweatsuits with plush bears and what appeared to be BDSM-inspired harnesses and these uncovered documents on the desk showing an excerpt from the 2008 U.S. Supreme Court opinion, U.S. v. Williams, which upheld the criminalization of pandering of child pornography. We sincerely apologize for any offense our holiday campaign may have caused. Our plush bear bags should not have been featured with children in this campaign, adding that the documents in the Adidas partnership, including a featured page from a child pornography lawsuit, was unapproved. People with responsibility should be eyeing these campaigns. Clearly, whoever was in charge at Balenciaga failed at this. Critics sounding off on social media, one writing, I understand that a lot of Balenciaga's marketing is the shock factor of it all, but this is just disgusting. The luxury label aligned with many big names, including Bella Hadid and Nicole Kidman, who are a part of the brand's spring 2023 line, has since removed those controversial images from its site. Everything about the picture will attract a child to it. There's a toy. There's another child, which is why I really think this can be so, you know, damaging. 
And Balenciaga also says of those documents shown with the bag from their Adidas partnerships that they're taking legal action against parties responsible for the set. And it's worth mentioning that both of those companies, Balenciaga and Adidas, were just in headlines cutting ties with Ye over his controversial remarks. Guys. If this ain't the pot calling the kettle black, I don't know what is. Um, so everyone will have their day in court. In fact, Balenciaga has filed a $25 million lawsuit against the set designer um, because they feel like all the damages need to be for this set designer. Well, the set de designer has come out and said, actually, Balenciaga reps were on the set and also handled the props and approved all of these things before moving forward. So I just want to know. How the hell did this get past all these adults before it hit campaign? So I'm calling bullshit on Balenciaga and the fact that they had no idea that this would be so, um, you know, this would be so highly criticized. I mean, we are in we are in an age right now where we are. Uh, really just putting forward so many things in, in society where it's just like, just accept this, accept this, accept this. We cannot normalize the sexual fetishization of children. We cannot normalize that. We cannot normalize child pornography. We can't normalize kids in BDSM all in one campaign ad for the Christmas holiday. We can't do that. And so for Balenciaga to sit back on its high horse and to say, oh, we just had no idea. We're just, you know, this notorious ad is just, we can't believe it got through edits. That's not true. Um, in fact, I listened to an interview, just a short snippet of a photographer who's a high fashion uh, retail photographer who says there's a lot of checks and balances that have to be done before this can even be released. You know what I'm saying? So there's just no way that how many steps of the processing and approval does this have to go to um, where these adults are saying, okay, this is great. I mean, we get it. Balenciaga wants to be edgy. They want to do something with that shock factor. Um, but to go as far as having an excerpt of this, of this uh, Supreme Court ruling to question whether or not laws against the promotion of child pornography, you know, is limited to the First Amendment is outrageous to me. And that in the lawsuit, you know, ironically enough, is really Balenciaga's only main charge. So they're not saying anything about the, the BDSM uh, gear and the children holding the teddy bears with that. Um, of course, they're not going to say anything about uh, some of the satanic images and the idols that are in some of the other ads. Um, but yeah, they are talking about the purse that was sitting next to the pile of court papers that included that Supreme Court excerpt. And they're like, but we just want to, you know, let you know that that wasn't the real excerpt. It doesn't matter if it was real or a printout or a copy. The point is all of it in one, whether real or fake, it's highlighting something that you want to be realistic. Um, so it, it it's mind blowing to me that this was released um, in its entirety, right? Like this was not one ad that slipped through the cracks. I mean, there were multiple ad campaigns, at least three that I saw uh, that rolled out these Balenciaga holiday gifts. So 
let's see. Let's see what the comment says from Patrick. Patrick says, you don't have a fashion shoot for a new line without the designer, without having the designers in the process, higher ups and C-suite employees in the room. Patrick, I agree with you 1 million percent um, in that. Again, there are represent representation is in the room. So whether it's the owner of Balenciaga or you know the the highest stockholder, there is representation from Balenciaga at all steps. Miss um, Walden says, "Who would like their children to be a part of this?" That is another thing that I think we are not having a conversation about, and that these are toddler age kids who are appearing in these custom ads. Um, you know, wearing the Balenciaga sweatsuits, uh, holding the teddy bears with the BDSM gear on them. And listen, you're not sending your kid model to a photo shoot and not knowing that this looks a little offhand. And so we really need to squint our eyes a bit at these parents who are you know, allowing their children or really exposing their children to this sexualization um, for money. Like, let's just call it what it is. I mean, I'm sure the parents are like, oh, my child has a shoot with, you know, this top line fashion, Balenciaga, da, 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 da. And they do the shoot and they don't want to say anything about it. You know, even if they do feel like this is a little too much. Well, guess what? you have an obligation to protect your child all the way through and through. And so we don't see that here. We see all of these adults culpable. Everyone is responsible and played a role in allowing this to make it out to the general public. And so again, um, you know, when money is on the table, people feel like they can make this kind of stuff fly. I can't wait to see what the court filings are going to say as we move forward in this $25 million in a lawsuit to me. I don't think they'll win it because they have to prove um, that they did not, that they weren't, didn't have any responsibility for this. Or I guess their, their claim is that they didn't approve of the Supreme Court excerpt. So you approved everything else. But the excerpt on the table next to the purse was just, God, it just was, it took it over the top. So that's their argument. They're standing on that, you guys. Um, but again, I'm calling BS. All of these adults are responsible. Okay. <sighs> All right. I see you guys are tapping into the comments. Appreciate that. So before we cut to break, I do want to give you guys a quick update. Got to give you guys an update on the Supreme Court um, and their decision on Biden student loan, uh, the debt relief program. So the Supreme Court today put President Biden's student loan relief program on ice for now. They're agreeing to hear arguments about the program in February of next year. The court action means that the, the rollout of the debt cancellation will remain blocked until then. Sorry for you and me. OK, so I know we all got that email. <laughs> OK, we got that email that was like, yeah, you've been approved and enrolled and we're going to, you know, uh, discontinue that debt. We're going to wipe it free, un, you know, until we hear the Supreme Court decision. So it's like, I think I saw something on Twitter that I agreed with the sentiments and it was something to the effect of like, don't get, don't give me something just to take it away. You know what I'm saying? 
President Biden could have kept that, kept this junk until we knew it would have been able to pass through the Supreme Court. Uh, so it's a little bit daunting uh, that, you know, we were even able to apply. So maybe they're just using this for the argument. But the state's argument um, in this case is saying that the challenge of the loan relief was brought by a coalition of Republican-led states, which we do know to be true because we see Republican lawmakers, you know, they're up in arms about this, even though they got their PPPs all wiped away. Um, but I digress. But their lawsuit was initially dismissed by the district courts, uh, which said the states had not suffered any injury that would give them the right to sue. But the eighth Circuit Court of Appeals subsequently blocked the loan forgiveness program from taking effect anywhere in the country while it's being considered, while the case is being considered. So, again, we're going to have to wait until February um, to see what the argument is going to be um, and to, to kind of see this play out in court. Um, I am extremely bored watching the Supreme Court um, as they go back and forth. It's just it is it's very legal. Um, as much as I like to watch uh, court cases online and on YouTube. But this is something for us to keep um, to keep tabs on. Right. OK, so this is what 10,000 up to twenty thousand dollars of loan relief um, for people who have um, loans through the Department of Education. So I'm looking forward to getting that loan relief, okay? I mean, if you're like me, it's not gonna make a huge dent, but listen, 20K is better than nothing, baby, okay? So you guys keep up with your student loans for now, um, and I will continue to tap in and give you guys some more information about that in February when we learn more, unless something else comes up in between. Well, look, let's take a quick break. But when we come back, I do want to talk to you guys about LeBron James. He's saying, let's keep that same energy when it comes to Jerry Jones. And I appreciate that. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. A world of wonder awaits at Pacific Northwest Ballet's The Nutcracker. Treat your loved ones to the Northwest's favorite holiday tradition at Seattle Center's McCall Hall. Tickets start at $27. Visit pnb.org. Will you marry me, baby? Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Trey Holiday. We're bringing back Black Love When We Met. That's right. We need something to warm all of our hearts and to elevate love once again in our communities. We want y'all to go to whereweconverge.com forward slash black love so y'all can nominate your favorite couple for the next rendition of this show with me as the host. Let me sit down and have them on my couch and share how their love can inspire us all. Make sure y'all go and get your nominations in today and be on the lookout for Black Love when we met coming at you on Converge Media very soon. Hey guys, Lisa Gordon here. And before heading to Belize, Trey Holiday and I had to make sure we linked up with our good friends over at Market Street Shoes to, of course, grab a few things for the trip. From bags to socks, shoes, sunglasses, earrings, and more. Before going on any trip, make sure you stop at Market Street Shoes. Trust me, you'll find just what you need to make your trip not only enjoyable, but fashionable. 
right, y'all. Welcome back to this episode of Clapback Culture. You guys saw Trey Holiday's commercial for Black Love. Make sure you guys nominate me and Rodney, okay? We want to be um, nominated for the Black Love where we met. Um, that's it's such a good show. If you guys haven't watched it, uh, go back and watch last year's taping. It's so, 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 so good. Shout out to Trey um, for that. So look, like I said, LeBron James, um, he's disappointed, you guys, and he is calling our reporters for questioning him about Kyrie Irving's controversial comments, but staying quiet about a photo that surfaced of Dallas Cowboy owner Jerry Jones during the Little Rock Nine protests. Um, in a post-game conference, which, which I'm going to show you guys, he's getting increasingly vocal in, in really recent years and talking about the racial disparities and inequities, and he's saying basically that there's a double standard that you'll ask me about one controversy, but when it comes to blackness, you won't ask me about another. So he goes on to say, you know, I was wondering why I haven't got this question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. And I agree. I feel like the Jerry Jones photo, while it came out, you know, Jerry Jones, who's now an 80 year old person. Um, he was 14 year old, 14 years old in this picture. Here's the picture. You guys, this is Jerry Jones. Um, he has not made a comment about this and essentially he's not doing anything. But if you look in the photo again, pull it up one more time, Cuddy. If you look at the photo again, the Little Rock Nine, you guys, if you guys don't remember, they were trying to integrate the school. Um, and, and this was a time in Little Rock, Arkansas, and really all across the United States with the whole separate but equal when really it was unequal. But they were trying to uh, desegregate the school. And so this was a part of that. And so you see Jerry Jones more as a person kind of just curious to see what's going on in, in the white mob. Right. My thing in this and I'm going to and I'm going to play you the clip. My my thing for this is we. Jerry Jones is a billionaire. And he's also an owner of a huge of the of the huge Dallas Cowboy franchise. And while this was a million moons ago, I still feel like his silence um, is 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 says a lot. And I think it's unfortunate that we aren't calling him to the carpet to say, do you how do you feel about this now? Looking back at this picture, um, you know, and being in the room in that moment make a statement, make a comment on this. I mean, we had Kyrie Irving, you know, we gave, you know, not we, but, you know, they they gave him a, a laundry list of things that he needed to say. So let's take a look at what LeBron said and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Let's take a look. At the age of 14, peering over, it's not exactly peering over a crowd of white students. What it was, was Jerry Jones standing in a pretty prime spot, prime spot. Yeah, like you got to yeah. get there kind of early to, you know, um, <laughs> in a sea of white faces mm -hmm. that has been largely correctly identified throughout American history since that time as a crowd looking to intimidate of young white men looking to intimidate the um, black students who were trying to who were supposed to be integrating the school because in Arkansas, in the South at that time, a ton of racist white people 
who didn't want integration, who wanted separate and unequal. Um, listen to LeBron James. Here he is talking about it. I was wondering why I haven't gotten a question from you guys about the Jerry Jones photo. But when the Kyrie thing was going on, you guys were quick to ask us questions about that. Okay. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I don't even want you guys to say nothing. When I watched Kyrie talk and he says, I know who I am, but I want to keep the same energy when we're talking about my people and the things that we've been through. And that Jerry Jones photo is one of those moments that our people, black people, have been through in America. And I feel like as a black man, as a black athlete, as someone with power and a platform, when we do something wrong or, or something that people don't agree with, it's on every single tabloid, every single news coverage, it's on the bottom ticker, it's asked about every single day. But it seems like to me that the whole Jerry Jones situation photo, and I know it was years and years ago and we all make mistakes, I get it. But it seemed like it's just been buried under like, oh, it happened, okay, we just, we just move on. And I was just kind of disappointed that I haven't received that question from you guys. So I, I stand by LeBron James in saying that the, the media has an obligation and responsibility to keep that same energy. And um, I'm also not here to persecute Jerry Jones about what happened almost 70 years ago, um, because, again, you know, to his in his own statement, he said he was really mostly there out of curiosity. Now, if you think about yourself you know, in high school at 14 years old, you know, during a time of, you know, integration, you're naturally going to be curious about all of the commotion and the news media and everything that's going on. Um, and so I think would have been what would have been better um, or what would have been required of someone black in that particular situation was them to condemn racism. Um, so Jerry Jones said this, you guys, he, um, I'm going to pull it up. Just give me a second. He says, nobody there had any idea, frankly, what was going to take place. This is a quote from people magazine. He said, you didn't, he said, you didn't, we didn't have all the last 70 years of reference and all the things that were going on. You didn't have a reference point there, but still I've got a habit of sticking this nose right in the right at the sticking this nose right place at the wrong time. Um, okay, if you know, is that your further elaboration? What would have been great is to say, hey, I condemn racism um, of all kinds. I was, this is me in the photo. I was curious as a teenage boy growing up and you know, it, he's not doing any, we can't prove that he is racist from being in this picture. I think, again, um, you know, these, you know, he's 80 years old. They grew up as a product of their environment. So whatever he was doing, um, he was doing. But it would have been nice for a franchise owner who employs a lot of black people and black people make him a lot of money. It would have been appropriate 
to stand um, in support of black people to say, hey, I don't support um, racism of any kind. And I didn't then and I don't now. Um, and so I think that would have been a requirement. Um, and I think that is what LeBron James is kind of linking together the, the two, the dichotomy between the two to say, hey, the media outlets want me to talk about this um, anti-Semitic comments. But yet when it comes to blackness and black culture, we don't have that kind of same energy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you were a journalist in that room, listen, and I know how difficult it is to write and cover stories, but if you were a journalist in that room and LeBron James, who is a, a, the perfect professional, you guys, he doesn't have he doesn't have to sit and do, um, you know, the press conferences, but he does it. Um, and for him to say, hey, you guys failed to ask me this question. I'm sure, they went back to the the, the journalism, to the newsroom um, and got pretty much chewed out. So don't hold your questions back, journalists. Let's keep that same energy on all topics. That's what I think the point was. And I, I do stand in agreement with that. We should have had more conversation about this um, to kind of get that point. All right, you guys. Um, so there's that. Now, I brought you guys a story last week about Shanquilla Robinson, and there are multiple reports, you guys, that have come out in this case since then. So let me give you guys a little bit of background in case you forgot. But Shanquilla Robinson is the 25-year-old woman who was mysterious, who mysteriously, we'll say mysteriously, um, died during a trip to Cabo San Lucas in a luxury Airbnb that she was staying at with some friends. Um, following her death, um, which her life was taken on October the 29th, her friends flew back to the United States um, these six individuals, they flew back to the United States, pulled up to her mom's house, dropped off her stuff and said, hey, you know, Shanquilla passed away um, due to alcohol poisoning. They weren't able to re revive her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the family then does this autopsy report. They see the report and sees that she did not have alcohol in her system. But in fact, she died of a spinal cord injury. OK. Have I caught you up? So here is how she died. Allegedly, there, well, allegedly this is how she died because it's, it's not proven in the court of law. But there has been a video uh, that surfaced that went viral of one of the friends um, that beat up, viciously attacked um, Shanquilla in her, in the master bedroom at the villa. And because of this, and then there's a second video that law enforcement is saying that shows a, a second beating of Shanquilla and says that she passed shortly after that. There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. So I want to give you guys the update, but Mexican authorities have not publicly named a suspect, but they have issued arrest warrants in the case of Shanquilla Robinson and the Cabo Six. You guys... I love the media. They always come up with a good catch line. But this is uh, this is really good. So th there's videos circulating all over the Internet. Again, you guys can go pull up this video. Um, but prosecutors in Mexico 
are seeking to extradite one of Robinson's friends as a suspect in the case. They have not named which one in the case it is. However, um, social media is speculating that it's Dejanae Jackson, um, and she's the girl who we see in the video beating up Shanquilla. So we're assuming it is Dejanae. Um, and, you know, uh, Daniel De La Rosa, the attorney general for uh, Baja, California, sir, uh, told local media last week that this arrest warrant was issued for the crime of femicide. Okay, hold that thought, because I know you. Got, a lot of you guys are like, what's femicide? Um, well, femicide is the killing of a woman because of gender. And femicide is something that we don't have here in the United States, you guys, but in uh, you know other parts of the, the world in different countries, femicide is the most extreme form of gender-based violence and is defined as the intentional murder of women because they are women. So I don't know about that, but Interpol agents, um, Allegedly, because again, there's multiple stories coming out there. We don't, I don't have confirmation on whether or not uh, Dejanae Jackson was arrested, but um, a Mexican news outlet reported that Interpol agents arrested Jackson on the night of November the 28th in response to the control judge issu issuing that warrant um, against her for the crime of femicide. Now, Chow, let's, let's talk about this. I have been going back and forth with myself about this. So Dejanae Jackson is 26 years old. Um, allegedly, she is the one who is being extradited back into Mexico to go and see this judge. So here is how it is supposed to work based on the news stories that I've read. Fem uh, femicide holds up to a minimum of 20 years in prison. And this ain't this ain't the feds, you guys. This is not the hard time here in the United States, which really ain't no slouch. But we're talking about a Mexican prison in Baja, California. Like this ain't this ain't no joke. This is not no joke. She doesn't speak the language. She can't read or write. In, in in Spanish, she can't speak no Spanish. When she gets extradited, what these reports are saying is that she is going straight to a hearing in front of a judge. That judge is then going to read her all of the evidence against her. They're going to play the videos. They're going to say, here is what we have on you. She does not get an opportunity to go to court. She has to enter her plea and argue her case. It's, there's no trial, there's no jury. So they're saying, here's the evidence we have against you. We, <laughs> you're being charged with this minimum of 20 years in prison. And let me tell you what's gonna happen. Shanquilla, I mean, excuse me, Dejanae is gonna go all the way over to Mexico they're going to tell her, this is what you got. And then they're going to say, if you don't, a minimum of 20, okay? And if, it, if, if it's me, I have the feeling that they are going to throw the book at this girl. They're going to throw the book at her. And they're going to say, we're going to give you 40. 
because we want to make sure that this international audience knows that you don't come to our country playing these games. So they're going to throw the book at her in order to get her to start talking. So the additional five people that haven't been extradited and there's no um, arrest warrants for they're coming for you too. They're coming for you too. Um, this is not going to stop with one person. Ms. Jackson is going to tell everything that happened. And guess what? It's not going to matter because no matter what, this girl is going to do a minimum of 20 years in prison. So maybe she doesn't get the 40. They walk it down. They say, okay, you tell us who did this. We'll give you 30. We'll give you 25. We'll give you 20. And they're going to take, you know, roll back some of that time. But believe you me, um, the, the district attorney in this case, or the, I mean, excuse me, the attorney general in this case uh, for Baja California, Daniel De La Rosa, he is not playing, you guys. He's not playing. Um, but again, we don't know if we don't know for certain if Miss Jackson has been extradited. We don't know for sure if she is the one who's even on the arrest warrant. Um, Shanquilla Robinson's father told uh, WCNC uh, that he has not been made aware of an arrest. And also the FBI is saying that this is still an active and an ongoing investigation. So really they're not trying to leak much more details. So we don't want to get in the business of giving out misleading information, but the fact that there is an arrest warrant goes to show us um, that social media is very powerful. And when we can work together uh, to put these pieces together, you know, because Listen, people were calling in with the, with the breaking it down, okay? Multiple videos, all this, that, and the third. Someone reached out to Shanquilla's mother um, and said, listen, there's another video. And so this is not going anywhere. This is a very, very, very interesting case to me, you guys. And I'm going to be following this up. Allegedly, it's also being reported Um that Shanquilla came down to Mexico with $17,000 in cash. Um, hence why, allegedly, uh, the police officers did not make a big fuss about the report because allegedly they're saying that they took the money. And so in order to prove that, what they're going to have to do is 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 determine what did she show customs, right? We have to see what did she show customs. Um, you know, did she declare that you know seventeen thousand when she came into the country, et cetera, et cetera, um, all of those things. So there's a lot of pieces to put together here, especially because the time of death on the police report is different than the time of death that is on the death certificate. Uh, the medical examiner said that she died. Um, around three o'clock. The police report says that she died around six o'clock. So we got to get the pieces together. Um, and again, I also feel, I feel some type of way for these, these, these people that allegedly hurt Shanquilla Robinson. I mean, we're talking about some hard time that's going to be done in a Mexico prison. And I really hope that, you know, the truth is the truth is the truth. And they know something, um, you know, Shanquilla didn't have alcohol in her system. So someone needs to come through and say what happened. Um, 
and, and they need to know. They need to know what happened. Um, and, and the person who is responsible for her death needs to, you know, step up and, and take responsibility for that. You don't go on a vacation with somebody and leave them behind. I mean, that that was the first red flag right then and there. I mean, you can't I can't even imagine I would have never left my friend in 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 a different country. I would have never even left the country until that body was on the plane coming home with me and making sure to deliver that um, to their family. So that's where we're at with that, you guys. Glad to give you guys an update. Um, I want to talk to you guys about the Idaho Four, but I don't have enough time for that today. So when we come back next week, I do want to talk to you guys about the Idaho Four. I know you guys have heard all about that. That case is also just as intriguing to me, you guys. So if you want to talk about that, please slide through in my DMs and in my comments section. Let me know if you want to break down that case with me because that is extremely tragic yet so interesting. I can't get enough of it. I can't pull myself away from it. All right, y'all. Well, that's the end of our show. Uh, I appreciate you guys pulling up and joining me on Clapback Culture. When I'm not here, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Treasure of J-U-L-E-S. You know where to find me. Until then, stay peaceful and have a great weekend. Peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.